Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. No fun intro this week. Um, no cold open, nothing like that. So no fun uh, podcast. No fun podcast in, in honor of the No Fun League. Um, I'm Patrick Mayhorn. My co-host is Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, how's it going? There is an idea of a Patrick Mayhorn, some kind of abstraction. But there is no real Patrick, only an entity, something illusory. And though you can hide your cold gaze, and I can shake your hand and feel my flesh gripping yours, and maybe I can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, you simply are not there. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have you ever seen American Psycho? No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Ryan, that, that you was... <laughs> Ryan, you know I haven't seen any movies. Mm, okay, well, that'll make sense to us about half the listeners. Uh, the other half will think <laughs> I just did a serial killer bit, which I, I quite literally did. Uh, the other half are my age and don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it's the right of every man in his mid twenties that he has. It's a right of passage. You have to watch American Psycho. A lot of people point, don't know so. this. Ryan is actually forty five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, speaking as a man who's in 26, certainly not my <laughs> mid-20s, yeah. Uh, um. Ryan, is he's cosplaying as a 26-year-old. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, I've never seen any movies. I've, I've only seen, hmm. like, mid-2000s Adam Sandler and Will Ferrell. That's it. That's, I mean, that's pretty much, you've probably seen it's, the best I've, already, Yeah, I've seen most of the movies that yeah. I need to see. Yeah. I mean, you skip the dregs of it. Uh, yeah. Just don't watch any Marvel movies and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my, my approach. I watch every movie that isn't a Marvel, a Marvel movie. Hmm, well, just watching Nomadland. So that leaves Land. about 10 movies a year. <laughs> yeah, just watching Nomadland over and over again. Yeah. Just like, this shit is terrible. Yeah, definitely not a Marvel movie. Just uh, <laughs> weird that that was just, uh, just... promoted by the Fox Corporation and Disney, uh, whether a director took over a Disney uh, yeah. product. That's we're, really strange. We're certainly looking into it. I'm just watching every I've night. I've got some takes. Yeah. I've got some, okay. I've got some takes on Chloe's. I'll our, save yeah, it for this, another podcast. This is our Oscars episode. No, every, <laughs> every night I get home and I just watch that terrible JD Vance movie. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I, it's so funny that a guy from Middletown claims from Appalachia. It drives me yeah, insane. Just, just lying. Just yeah. lying through your teeth. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm from Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Lock him up. That's what I said. I like that he at least acknowledged it at the beginning of the movie that like no one that was actually from the area respected him at all. Like even when he was a kid, they they immediately yeah. smelled it out and they're just like, oh, this is a fucking poser. Yeah, I would like to challenge JD Vance to a personal combat in the, in the city of Columbus. One v one. If I beat him up, he can never post ever again or write anything. Uh, he has to forget how to read and write. What if he beats you? That won't happen. Okay. <laughs> if it does... You have to run uh, his campaign. If it does, I'll become a Browns fan. <laughs> Let's go. Um, what are we doing today? So, uh, we got a three-part episode today, so we should probably dive in pretty soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to do a bit about the College Football Playoff Committee's proposed scenarios for expansion, um, which just came out this past week. Um, and then we're going to move on to the latest news about the Pac-12 search for a commissioner, or maybe commissioners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to finish off with some thoughts on under-the-radar sleepers in the NFL draft. Um, or small school guys we're kind of really excited to see the next level. Um, do you want to start off the playoff? Yeah, sure. This is just as a as a as a heads up. This is some deep nerd shit that we're going to get into today. We are we are nerding out in this. Yeah, one. it's going to be fun. It's yeah. kind of our wheelhouse. Like, yeah, it's kind of a. Yeah, this yeah. is. A, I'm excited about this one. The, the smorgasbord. Yeah, we'll, we're going to start with the playoff expansion. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, um, so let's recap the news first mm-hmm. and kind of go through the mechanics of kind of what would have to happen for any playoff change, right? So yeah. uh, just for the release here, uh, the, the College Football Playoff Management Committee, which is a group comprised of the 10 FBS conference commissioners and Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, because of course you have to have Notre Dame involved. Mm-hmm. Um, they were presented last week with a range of proposals for playoff expansion that listed 63 distinct possibilities for playoff expansion models um, with 6, 8, 10, 12, and 16 teams, uh, according to a news release from the committee. They hate a 14-team playoff. Yeah. That's the only yeah. one they no, don't like. Th- no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, the working group that presented these models to the management committee was a four-person team comprised of Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, again, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, uh, and Mountain West Commissioner Craig James Thompson. <laughs> That's his nickname. Mm, yeah. Uh-huh. Hunter S. Craig James Thompson. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, those four are making a report to the entire management committee at large at some point this summer, 
Um, if the management committee supports any of the working group's proposals, they will then present the proposal to the college football playoff board of managers. Mm-hmm. I love describing small bureaucracies. Dude, exactly what we're doing dude here. the NCAA small bureaucracies, generally speaking, I, I have to write about these pretty frequently for yeah. our, our news aggregation thing for the newspaper. And it's it makes you feel like you're going insane. Or it's, it's it like, makes me feel like I'm reading about internal politics of the, of yeah, the CCP yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the, the Division One committee has proposed a, a, change, a rules change to the rules change committee, which which will mm-hmm. then, if they approve it, it will go to the board of directors. Which, which then, then goes if they, to the executive yeah, management and then, and then Mark Emmert gets a big old bill on his. He has to. He either vetoes it, and then it goes. It, it's just like we should produce a video short of like how a bill becomes a law for the playoff committee. <laughs> <laughs> just it's the uh, yeah it's the exact same as the schoolhouse rock one except yeah. it's like five times longer and makes even less sense yeah and it ends with uh, Mark Emmerich being arrested yeah okay <laughs> um, so okay so like I said that group the working group uh, presents a proposal to the college football playoff board of managers right so the board of managers is comprised of the presidents <laughs> or chancellors of Notre Dame Penn State Florida State WVU. Mississippi State, Wazoo, SMU, Buffalo, Troy, Southern Miss, and Fresno State. Is that the Big 11? It's the Big 11. <laughs> um, the 11 most important <laughs> school. I think it's just by conference and it rotates. But it not, seems uh, like it, yeah. yeah. Um, but a simple majority of the board of managers could agree to change the playoff format. So the playoff format's currently in the eighth year of a 12-year agreement. So just a simple majority could change... Um, at the new deal, what they would at the end of this deal, what they'd Jesus, want to do. Jesus, has it been eight years? Been eight, oh, oh, this my, will be the eighth year. Okay. Oh yeah. my god! Um, so to change it immediately uh, or in the near future and alter the format prior to the conclusion of that twelve-year deal, it would take unanimous agreement from all eleven of these presidents or, counsel- or chancellors. Yeah, which I don't think you're going to get. Well, I will say that it's interesting that it's not like you don't have an Ohio State or Alabama or a Clemson on here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all of the schools listed are in power conferences, and they are besides Notre Dame are all schools that have been left out yeah, of the playoffs. I was going to say, you do have Notre Dame. I don't know how much Notre Dame would like this. Notre Fair Dame enough. seems to be very happy to be the perpetual three seed that loses by 30. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so just a quote here real quick to clarify, because it's probably not going to happen immediately. I, I want to put that out there, that yeah. any proposals here will not get voted on uh, to change this next year or the year after. Yeah. This is from uh, Bill Hancock, quoting to ESPN's Heather Dinich. Um, he said, there will not be a new format this season or next season. This timetable is certainly an important detail, but it has not been determined yet. It's too soon to predict the timing, but even if the board decides to alter the format, it may well not occur until after the current agreement has expired, which isn't until after the 2025 season. Now that we got all of our bureaucratic details and mechanisms yeah. out of the way, yeah. uh, Patrick, knowing everything we just heard, where is your head on this? Do you see this happening anytime soon? Do you see it happening at all? Kind of, what, what are your thoughts? So as I'm as I'm looking through this, I'm not when this news sort of came across my my desk this week. I guess yeah, yeah, when, when, so, yeah when my yeah when my secretary printed it out and brought it to me, just a tweet, you know, just printing out tweets and bringing them to me. Um, I wasn't super surprised by this. I, I think. Um, I would like to think that the the public pressure against the playoff and the pushback against the four team playoff has contributed, but I I don't think it has. I think it's a, it's a money play, like everything is mm-hmm. with the NCAA, right? Um, if you have more teams in the playoff, it will generate more money. Um, and so I I think uh, I I think this has always been sort of inevitable. I I uh, I, I assumed that it would not just remain at four. Um, right. I don't have a strong feeling on where it will go next. Eight is the one that has always stuck out to me as as making sense you could get five power five champions and two at large and then the best g5 um if it was up to me you could just get the best the eight best g5 teams and mm-hmm. you know call it a day right. um <laughs> but uh it seems like the the haters and losers aren't really in favor of that so. i think we should let the fwaa just simply vote again and we should just we actually really shouldn't play many <laughs> games there should mostly listen, just be spring practice listen and, uh, i have last year near the end of the season i was so tired of the the just college football season at large it was not a fun season for mm-hmm. me i had to watch every ohio state game and that was terrible and i just, disagree <laughs> those games were bad you know it um but uh i i just i was very bored by the whole thing i knew alabama was gonna win the championship and and so i i got into a, a like i don't know how i would describe this almost like a feudal mindset where i was like maybe the 70s system was better where they would just play games and then they would Come all on. go to a bowl game and then like fucking 10 idiots would vote on the champion that was it you get into a 70s mindset where you're like i think we should bring back oklahoma coaches directly bribing recruits with cocaine mm-hmm. and uh, trans ams yes are you saying that's bad <laughs> no that's cool no it's cool you're, the rest you, of the 70s yeah, sucks you, yeah you can't you can't say that it's like uh you can't, you can't say that as a negative that rocks no but, that's the good part yeah but like I think that there is legitimate I, I won't make this this case fully but I am kind of 
intrigued by the idea of like bowl games meaning something i i think mm-hmm. that's like i liked when the rose bowl was important i think that's kind of cool i liked when archie griffin wore fur coats over his uniform and games yes. the way yes. he dressed with yeah, his lapels wider than like your chest yeah <laughs> yes. yeah and it could just be that the aesthetics of the sport were better than right mm-hmm. like for whatever reason but um i i, I that is Pit something was good that, for example yeah, yeah. but i, I do think <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's why you like it. <laughs> Pitt being good is important. I like when Pitt is I good. I agree, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think that there's there's something to be said for that. Um, college football is never going to go back to that. It's only ever going to expand the playoff, right? The, the the playoff will never be cut down. We're never going back to two. Right. Once it leaves from four, it's never going back to four. The, the cat is out of the bag. They've realized that it can make more money. I do think... I'm kind of of two minds here, right? Yeah. So... I, I tend to think it will go to eight. I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, it makes eight, sense for everybody. Eight feels like the one that everyone is kind of expecting. And it keeps everyone that's currently involved happy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like there's, there's everyone kind of gets a piece of the pie. The G5 will settle for that, honestly. Yeah. Um, what I think about, though, is the timing part there that, that uh, the executive director, Bill Han- Hancock, mentioned. Yeah. If you wait a year or two to make a final decision on this or to alter anything, then you will have a lot more, and this is something we talked about extensively in recent episodes, you'll have more clarity in playoff expansion, right? Yeah. So if the Pac-12 is going to die, or the Big 12 is going to die, and you only have four power conferences, then the power four are just going to break away and keep their own 14 playoff, I bet. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't understand why they do anything else. Yeah. But, because then the conference championship games become de facto playoff games, and, and you just go from there. But um, Boy, that'll be terrible. Four team playoff with all conf- with only conference champions. You're gonna get eight and four USC in that thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look. Um, like, I don't doubt that that'll happen, but geez, right. that is that is not good. I mean, obviously, I would like to see an eight team playoff where I think you have the most common. Model yeah, I, is I the don't. Five. I don't think you're wrong. I just yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's bad. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It sucks. Sure, yeah, but it, it would at least make one thing I would like about it is it makes the the path very clear, right? Yeah. Like. If you win your division, you are playing for the playoff. It's very simple. Like, you beat the teams in your division. Everyone in all of college football has to play every team in their division. There's no, yeah. like, the SEC plays fewer conference games than the Big Ten, right? Same with the, or the, two of the conferences only play eight games. I think it's the Pac-12 is the other one. Um, no, I think, isn't it the ACC and the SEC? I thought the ACC the... just expanded to nine games recently. I don't know. Maybe that was have. temporary for this year. It yeah, doesn't matter. Either uh, yeah, way. Whatever. Um, you, you know, a couple of the, the conferences point. only play eight games. I know, like, so, many of them play nine games. Um, Obviously, that's an imbalance, but everyone has to play every team in their division. So if you win your division, it's a very straightforward process to the point where you are now in a play-in game for the playoff. That part's nice. Everything else about it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think having clearly defined criteria to make sure every single team in America is playing for a spot in the playoff is the most desirable outcome. Mm-hmm. We agree on that? Yeah. Um, which would mean five Power Five conference champions probably the highest ranked G5 champion and two at-large teams is the most commonly supported model, I'd say. Um, obviously, we would like to see maybe more G5 teams than that Yeah. on this podcast specifically, um, but I don't expect to get more than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I, I think um, that kind of gives you a pathway. Where a lot of people have complained that the playoff has made fewer games relevant and meaningful, which is true. It has, right? Mm-hmm. Because we can predict most years that the four playoff teams will come from a pool of eight or nine teams total, right? We know that. Um, There's very little variation. There's very little doubt about that. Whenever you expand it, every single team is playing for a conference title. Every single team in the G5, the P5, has a chance to get the playoff. That's what we want. Yes, I have have pushed back against the idea that more playoff games or a larger playoff means that the regular season oh, matters yeah, less, right? Like, I yeah. think it's I think it's very silly. I think it's something that if you think about for five seconds, you realize isn't the case, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when you, you know, I, I think the issue is that these guys are thinking about college basketball, right? Where the regular season does not matter as much. There are also more games, right? right. And it's basketball. It's different. Of course. Um, but I, I, the idea of expanding the playoff then meaning that regular season games don't matter as much. Um, my first thing that I say is they don't matter now. Like for most for, teams, for the, the season te- doesn't matter. For yeah, for most teams, it doesn't matter. For for the for the Power Five teams, it matters at least a little bit for most of them. But you know, like you said, it's a group of nine or ten teams. Like mm-hmm. Kansas isn't going to make the playoff. Kansas could go at eleven and one, and it wouldn't make the playoff. You could even argue, like by week six of a fifteen week season. We know that there are only like even at that point, there's like 25 teams that could yeah. even possibly make it. Especially as we enter this this 
RPO era, right? There were like five or six teams that can make the playoff every year. It's it's you kind of know who they are already. I mean, it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, and then Oklahoma, LSU. Oklahoma, maybe LSU. Yeah. I, I you know if, if LSU coaches, yeah, if or... LSU gets Joe yeah. Burrow again, or really it's just insert rotating SEC. Team yeah, here. yeah, insert rotating yeah. SEC team, and then you know Oregon. Yeah, potential Pac-12 team. Whoever the best Pac-12 team is, if they're not. You know, if they didn't lose two dumb ones, um, which is very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just like it already doesn't really matter. And all of those teams can afford to lose a game and potentially even two in some cases. Right. And it still won't matter. Right. Right. And they're not going to lose more than that. <laughs> so and, and, but part of the reason why it doesn't matter, and we talked about this before with the Blue Bloods episode, is that power has concentrated at the top. Right. Kids, mm-hmm. simply put, want to play for national titles. That, yeah. That's a motivating factor for many players. More than that, they want to get to the NFL. When more kids who want to play for national titles go to schools that play for national titles, that school puts more kids in the NFL. It becomes perpetuating, right? So you have the talent continually concentrating. If you have more teams playing for the playoff, that's bigger opportunities to showcase yourself. It's more likely kids stay in their home region and, 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 you know, don't go to from across the country to Alabama or Ohio State, you know, it, it, it evens the playing field in terms of talent more, I would say, yeah. which is the desirable outcome. Yeah, and the last thing I, I will say on the games not mattering front is that with four teams, Coastal Carolina, we've talked about this game so many times, but Coastal Carolina and BYU scheduled a game on three days notice. It was fucking awesome, and it didn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. If the system is, is set up for that, it's wrong. It's a bad system, yep. right? Like, if that game doesn't matter, then something is wrong. Um, and I think that if you expand it, to eight or 12 or whatever that game suddenly matters because coastal finished the regular season undefeated you know and was really fucking good and right. beat a really good team at byu um and suddenly those teams have more of a reason to schedule good opponents maybe on the fly right yeah i mean imagine that instead of playing a conference championship game in the mountain west where, where san jose state was two games ahead of everybody else yeah they now play a one game Play de facto yeah, which, play in game with uh, BYU or with Coastal Carolina or with yeah, which, which the Mountain West I don't think is going to be all all that upset about because right. it's like if you win you're in the playoff. We yeah. don't care about the conference title game. We care about the playoff. Yeah. And so this this opens the door for more teams, which then makes the season matter a lot more. Even if there's more of a margin for error for the teams at the top, but like there's already a margin of error for those teams that doesn't a exist. A massive for margin else. for error. I think. Clemson went three straight regular seasons without losing a game. Yeah, it's very, very easy for those teams to make the playoffs. Ohio State's about to do it. Yeah, like like with a new quarterback and without a defensive coordinator on Mm -hmm. its staff, and like (laughs) it's it's not really all that hard for these teams to do that. You know, like Alabama just rehabilitated Steve Sarkeesian into getting the fucking Texas job. That's so funny. It's not that hard. Yeah, (laughs) you can just do that. But as as for the model that I, I think I prefer the most i mentioned the eight as being the the one that i'm expecting uh, I, I think i'm starting to become a 12 team guy i think 12 might mm, be my me on it. so andy staples wrote a, a, an article for the athletic that I, I liked a lot about these different options um and he has on the 12 team he he said that he texted a dm or an, an ad and the ad said something along the lines of that it may it means that all 12 of the spots are important for some reason because one through four get a first round buy and that's valuable. And then you're still rewarded for being in the first four like you were mm-hmm. in, you know, the, for the 14 system. 5-3-8 would get a home game. Yeah, 5-3-8 get a home game in the first round. And then 9-12 through 12 get in the playoff. Right. Right. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. You're still rewarding those top four teams. So mm-hmm. it still matters to be the best of the best. You can get all the conference champions in in the you know the the power five ranks. You could get all the conference champions in. Period. I don't think that that's realistic. Right. Um. I don't even I don't even know if I would like that. I don't want the MAC champion in most years. And I'm the. It would you be know, funny though. It would be funny, but um. <laughs> I, I think that you know you can get your power five conference champions in. You could probably get two of the best G five teams. At minimum, you'd have yeah. to get two. Because I mean, if you're, if you're talking about getting. Five. I mean, they'd probably be in the top teams. twelve anyway, right? Like right. Cincinnati finished in the top ten last year. If you're talking about getting five at large P five teams, that would suck. In my yeah, opinion. yeah. So I, I think that five five P five champions, you know, the the five P five champions, and then you know at least two G five at large, and then whatever is left of of the P five at large. Um, that seems perfectly fine to me. I, I think, you know, if you have a really good G5 team, they could be rewarded with a really cool first round game, you yeah. know, where like the eight seeded Cincinnati is, is, is hosting, 
you know, a nine Florida, seed, yeah. yeah, a nine seed, like pretty good, but not amazing Florida and Florida has to go to Nippert, right? right. Like that would rock. That oh, would be, be amazing. That would be really yeah. cool. Florida doesn't want to fucking do that in December. Of no. Course, <laughs> when everyone talks about this. It's, it is a not, it's become kind of a big 10 meme at this point, but it really would be fascinating to see these kids who have like, you grow up in South Florida, you get recruited to South Florida, you play your entire career in South Florida. And the first game you ever play in the cold, maybe the first time you ever see snow in your life <laughs> is playing in a playoff game in December in Ohio. That yeah. would be really fun. Yeah. Um, and what I do like with the bye as well there, I, I, I kind of, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm a big fan of the bye personally. I kind of think it's... It's a very it, it's significant gonna, advantage. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that when you're talking about a month-long tournament, that becomes a, a very big deal. And it does help the players, the top teams stay healthier and things yeah. like that. Because um, that is quite a long tournament to play through at that point. Yeah. He um, also, here in this, he he provides an example that I really like in the 2007 season, which is the one that everybody knows. If you're, of course. If you followed college football, you know about 2007, either directly or indirectly. He has, um, this is the 12 team, number one seed Ohio State, number two LSU, three Virginia Tech, and four Oklahoma get buys. Um, in the first round games, you would have Kansas, West Virginia. That was a really good Kansas team. Um, yeah. And then West Virginia was obviously, you know, that's the, uh, that's the Rich Rod team that everybody knows about. What, by the way, just real quick, what a great illustration of how quickly talent has concentrated too yeah. is that, you know, <clears throat> 15 years ago, uh, Kansas and West Virginia would have played each other in a playoff game. Virginia Tech was a three seed. Right. I yeah. mean, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, then you would have on that same side of the bracket, 5-12 is Georgia, Florida at Georgia, which would be awesome, right? Like right. that's 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 a blast. Um, Hawaii, USC in the 7-10. And that was the the Colt Brennan Hawaii. Oh wow! Um, and it would have been a good USC team, not a great USC team. And then was that Mark Sanchez era USC? Oh, it might have been. I think so. It was either Mark Sanchez or John David Booty. Um, we love that. Two kings. <laughs> um, and then number six Missouri against Arizona State. I don't remember that Arizona State team, but I know the Missouri team was like Chase Daniel, and they were good. Um, that sounds great. I'm yeah, I'm sold on that. Sure, that sounds yeah. like that sounds like a blast. That sounds like four really cool first round games. And then you know the potential. Of Ohio State West Virginia in the second round and, and seeing if the Ohio State defense has gotten any faster after being bludgeoned by Florida the year mm-hmm. before. Um, you would have potentially, you know, Georgia, Oklahoma. Sure. That's, you know, that's probably not great, but I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawaii LSU would be really fun. Um, Missouri, Virginia Tech, no thanks. But the, the rest of that, like, that's good stuff to me. You know, you, you could, and with this 12 team playoff, you can, he makes this point as well. You can get really fun players in that don't have great teams around them. Like right. 2012 Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel. That sure. was not a playoff team by any means. It was not a championship. But he's good. Team. He was good enough that year to maybe sneak a game. I yeah. mean, he beat Alabama that year. For God's yeah. Sake. And he like, probably yeah. deserves to get a shot at a national stage like that, just to see whatever he can do. Mm-hmm. Right. He just like, that's good for college uh, football. What can he do? cocaine <laughs> allegedly <laughs> there's not allegedly there's a picture of him with a roll up $20 bill in a bathroom on multiple occasions well he, didn't he admit to doing coke listen <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I think that this this strikes a really cool balance where you can get those really good first round games you can still reward the top teams and you can get more teams involved that wouldn't be previously I think that I am a 12 guy as it as it goes I see the advantage of the model. I would say to me that's, and I'm sure at some point we will see that model because like you said, this will never stop expanding. It's going to be 64 in like 2050. (laughs) I I think I'm an eight team guy. I think it's the simplest, cleanest format where you have five power five champions, uh, a G five champion and two at large teams. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would even say you could have the seventh spot reserved for a, another G5 champion or independent. So you guarantee that like teams like BYU, Liberty, Notre Dame, you know, have a shot at the playoff. Yeah. Um, over say, for example, making three SEC teams. I think you would have to have a stipulation that no conference could have more than two teams in the playoff. Yeah. Um, that's annoying. If yeah, you're the that's, second team that's in your fine. division, you don't deserve to be in the playoff. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Win your division and then yeah. we'll talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would obviously I think uh, we both agree that any component of any of these playoffs, we want home playoff games. Absolutely, which round. we're not going to get, but we would like. I think we will. I really do think that this, this will result in that. Um, look, I think there's a, a growing understanding among everyone involved that the bowl format is dying or dead. Teams are going to start, I'm sorry, bowl, first of all, the businesses that run these bowls will start losing money, and the teams aren't going to make much money in these bowls because they're all travel predicated. Like, And the more you expand the playoff, it does make everything focus on the playoff more, which 
sucks in some ways, but I mean, it, at least everyone has a shot for it. So I think, like, I just don't see how the Bulls keep mattering at a certain point in time. Like, why, if you're a Toledo fan, you're going to go watch your team play, you know, Southern Miss and, and Shreveport? Yeah. Um, when you could just not do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so easy to just not do that. It's yeah. so easy to not go to Shreveport. Right. Yeah. I've should, never done it. I don't, uh, I don't go to Shreveport. Uh, look, I'm going to stop going to Shreveport right now. Ready? Okay, I just did it. I didn't go to Shreveport. <laughs> do you want to see me do it again? <laughs> um, do we have anything else we want to go over in the playoff here? Do you think we should uh, move on? Yeah, we can move on. I the, Just last thing, this is going to come soon. It will happen. Um, I don't know what the model will look like. I, I've guessed that 8 comes next, and then 12, and then 16, and then 64. And yeah. then it just I, keeps I, I getting think bigger. 8 is the first one we'll see. And I, I do think we will see it, I will say this, before the end of the deal. Yeah. I think they will tear it up. Um, probably because at this point, they don't the want to lose market share at this point. It's getting fucking boring. People yeah, are tired of it. Yes. Right. Like you can't only keep the, I mean, you can't keep bleeding forever. Right. Yeah. Also every G5 conference will vote to expand the playoff. Yeah. The Pac-12 will vote to expand the playoff. The Big 12 will probably vote to expand the playoff. Yeah, which, which the, the, the G5 gets you five of the 11 right there for yes. that, that last little, you know, the, uh, whatever it was called. So you would only need one more for that simple majority. Right. So, yeah. and then, then at that point in time, once you already agree to change the format, you as those six or whoever else may join you just have to convince the other five yeah. that we might as well do this now instead of waiting because what's the point? Let's yeah. make more money now. Yeah. And let's not keep bleeding viewers. Let's not keep... Like, why are the rest of us, even if you are in the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC, we are guaranteed a team virtually every year. Yeah. Why, if I am 12 of the 14 university presidents or, or ADs in that conference... Do I want to keep funneling all of my conferences, talent, and money to Alabama, Georgia, yeah. Ohio State, Clemson? Like, why do I keep doing that instead of leveling the playing field for myself and giving my team, and even if I can pack all the entire conference, a chance to actually be good? Yeah. Hey, real good year for none of those big teams to be on that uh, that board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for it to be Penn State, Florida State, West Virginia, Mississippi yeah, exactly. State. That's, yeah, classic yeah. underdog Florida State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hey, listen. <laughs> Um, would you like to move on to the Pac-12 commissioner? Because this yeah. is relevant, actually, the discussion yeah. we just had. Yeah, let's do it. Um, um, I will also mention real yeah. quick here, just for a sort of a live reaction on oh, the wow. podcast. It looks like Kansas is going to hire Jeff Munkin, um, hmm. which I support, certainly. I think we talked about this a little while ago. Um, I don't think he's going to run the true triple, which is unfortunate, but it, it seems like he's going to run something sort of approximating what Jamie Chadwell has been doing and kind of what Willie Fritz was doing, um, to which I say, good. Yeah, I mean they'll um, they'll never win the conference. They weren't going to win the conference anyway, no. so yeah, that's fine. Eight yeah, and I four, mean, eight and four is fucking great if you're Kansas. Which, if, if he goes eight and four, you give him a lifetime contract. Yeah, and what's the path? Eight and four. You beat Kansas State. You beat Texas Tech. Uh, you upset one of Texas and Oklahoma. Which is not that oh, hard with on. the option. Uh, Oklahoma loses to one of these teams every fucking year. Okay, so here's okay. Here's what we agree. Okay, you beat Texas Tech. You beat Kansas State. Yeah. You hope Matt Campbell gets hired somewhere else soon, which he will. Okay. So then you beat Iowa State once they go back to being bad again. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the upsets. Four. One of the upsets. And then you have to catch either TCU or Oklahoma State. Yeah. That doesn't sound that hard. TCU is going to be not very good for the foreseeable future. Unless and, they hire someone better than Gary Patterson soon. Yeah. West Virginia, you should be able to beat. That could get you to six. I don't know. I like Neil Brown. Three, I think Neil and then and then three non-conference games. That, Neil Brown's just very competent. And I don't think he'll lose. Yeah, many games. that's fair. I don't. Himself. I don't know if he would lose to a triple. But yeah. and then three non-conference games that gets you to eight and four. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty. Just, yeah. St- here's here's the first lesson. Don't schedule anyone good out of conference no, for schedule like for like whatever, twenty years in advance. <laughs> schedule a JUCO. It's down the yeah. road in Kansas. Yeah. Don't mess around with that. Just yeah, win the just, games. Just play Arkansas Pine Bluff three times. Yeah, get to bowl games. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Don't and then around. and then sell your system mm-hmm. sell your system that's your whole thing we yeah. are not selling anything else we're not selling location come play in this system that right. fits you that's it everyone else in the big 12 is recruiting air raid kids that from texas who played the air raid their entire lives yeah find the kids who aren't doing that like whatever schools in texas aren't running the air raid or whatever schools in like missouri or illinois or whatever are just running triple option football which i'm sure there are many of them yeah and just recruit those kids just be highly competent yeah, let's let's see how eight different versions of Alex Grinch handle the triple option. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I mean West Virginia and Kansas State will probably understand it a little bit better, but the air raid schools are not going to fucking stop it. They don't know how to do that. Yeah. They don't practice it. Yeah, the only teams that even have the defensive line to have a chance are Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. No one else that covers the shot. Yeah, and 
and I hope that they like being chop blocked. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. I, I can tell you right now, they don't. <laughs> they don't like that. Oh man. Yeah. No. I. Uh, yeah. I'm fine with that. Jeff Munkin's a really good coach. Congrats to Jeff Munkin. Yeah. If if uh, he's not the hire, it seems like it's going to be Lance Leopold. Yeah. It's the same exact sure. idea. Um, Jeff, call us. We'll, we'll get this figured out. Yeah, Jeff. You know, hit us up. Yeah. We'll, we would we would happily Open chill salt. for for cans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Salt. Send us some gear. Yeah, uh, I would actually love to walk around in a full Adidas Kansas track Absolutely. suit, like I'm fucking Bill Self. Yeah. Oh man, we let's let's make this happen. Let's make this happen, Jeff. Yes, um, yeah. So that that seems fine to me. I think that that's certainly better than fucking Skip Holtz, which was fuck being you, Skip Holtz. Yeah, fuck you, Skip Holtz. Eat shit, dumbass. And Mike and Mike Elko. God. Uh, that. I probably wouldn't have been you good. Can't, you can't hire a defensive coordinator at Kansas. You can't right. do that. That's insane. That's yeah, an insane enough, thing. Fair enough. I relate. All right. Pac-12. Okay. So our next piece of news here uh, comes out of the Pac-12. Uh, we talked about John Wilner before who writes for the Mercury News. Whatever news fucking conglomerate they call that thing. It has yeah. like four different names. Um, so uh, here's the lead from his latest article. Ready? Yep. Have you read this at all before I have No, no. Okay. I'm, I'm excited for you. I have a few quotes that I think you're really going to enjoy. First sentence here. Struggling to find commissioner candidates who fit their competing priorities, the Pac-12 presidents are considering a governance structure unprecedented in college athletics, by which the job would be effectively split into two roles, according to sources with knowledge of the process. Exactly who would fill those positions remains unclear, Uh, as the search enters its fourth month. However, (laughs) one name being actively discussed, per sources, is Amy Brooks, a former Stanford basketball player who currently serves as the NBA's President for Business Operations and Chief Innovation Officer. Mm -hmm. Here's the real kicker. Brooks has never worked in college sports and has no background in football operations. Her expertise on the business side. Prior to joining the NBA, she worked for Bain Capital & Co., the global management <laughs> consulting company. <laughs> for any of our listeners who don't oh know Bain Capital... God. Isn't that the Mitt Romney one? That's the Mitt Romney yeah. company. It's like any of these consulting things, what your job is is to go into some company, um, they pay you a fee to tell you to lay off all of your workers and cut their salaries and benefits, oh. and maybe even kill them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps even um, kill them, and who's to say? Yeah, yeah. maybe fix bread prices. Like yeah, 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 you worked for a conference that was fixing bread prices. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's cool to hire a Stanford freak who works for Bain Capital. There are approximately, I'd say, 100,000 of these people in the world, and they're all the same human being. Um, They all have just robotic, dead eyes. Um, (laughs) Pac-12 President Peter Thiel. (laughs) I did. (laughs) I think I made that exact joke on Twitter. Oh, did you? you Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, we've got the the brain meld here. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I said, here, let me just, I'll pull up my, everyone loves when you read your own tweets live on air. That's right. So yeah. I'm gonna do that real quick. Here. Everyone also loves when you have your 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 coworkers in your office with you, and then you go into their <laughs> office and you read off your tweets to them. Yeah, which is a cool thing to do. Here's my own tweet, Patrick. Yep. Pac-12 schools throwing darts at the wall, playing Mad Libs to find a commissioner. Yeah, let me get a Peter Thiel disciple who works in foreign exchange trading and exotic animal acquisitions at <laughs> McKinsey's consulting team for the National Disc Golf League. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, oh so my God. to continue on later in this article, Wilner writes, To date, sources said the presidents haven't identified a single candidate who meets their standards for both criteria. <laughs> Seems like they should fucking change the standards. <laughs> As a result, they're mauling what would effectively be a package deal. Under the unprecedented structure, a sports business specialist would be hired to sit atop the conference as the official commissioner. But the presidents would also hire someone to serve as a de facto co-commissioner. The shadow commissioner. Whose role would be to work with the athletic directors. This is the best part. When asked how the conference chain of command would work for campus-specific issues, i.e. with the liaison have final authority or the commissioner, one source said, I have no idea how it would work. Damn. (laughs) Damn, John, that's crazy. (laughs) I love the fact that I was four months into this, and if they, so they their goal they already made Larry Scott retire. Oh like, dude, God. come on, you suck too bad. Yeah. And they had no plan beyond that. <laughs> no one they like to hire instead. They don't have any criteria to go oh get somebody. God. Now they're going to hire a, a assistant to the regional manager role here. Holy um, shit. This is the most incompetent conference in sports. The Pac-12 is going to go to a barber school. That's their plan. They dropped out and they spent four months just sort of playing video games. It's like, I think I'm going to get into driving a garbage truck. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Wilner had a really funny quote on Twitter that said, uh, 
not only do like the Pac-12 university presidents not know whether a football should be inflated or stuffed, they don't know that that's a joke you make. <laughs> <laughs> Which like... That's so good. They just don't care about football at all. Like, yeah. this, this is a conference that institutionally does not care about yeah. football. Which like, drop it then. Send those others, send your schools in football to something else and yeah, then keep like, their what's Olympic What's the point teams? in having the conference? Yeah. Olympic sports? Like, which you're cutting anyway. We give yeah. honest, because you're so bad yeah, Stanford at managing is, football. Stanford is cutting wrestling, which it was really good at. Yeah, because you're so bad at managing football, you have to cut your Olympic sports because your revenue keeps declining. Yeah. Which means the only thing you like to do the Olympic sports, you're eventually going to suck at because yeah. you can't afford it. Yeah. Or rather, you choose not to afford it despite your billion, billion, billion dollar uh, endowments. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you have to spend that money on a very expensive, you know, headquarters for your seven presidents. Sure, that's true. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. This reminds me of Pac-12 <laughs> hiring the Justice League. To... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's weird. The Pac-12 is actually paying to produce all of the Marvel movies. I don't know why they're doing that. It looks like the IMF has offered a loan to the Pac-12, where they're demanding they they uh, hold their own elections. Yeah, it appears that the IDF has also extended. <laughs> Ooh. Um, this reminds me. <laughs> this, this reminds me when I was in high school. Um, I, I went to sort of a, a, a wealthier high school in Columbus, mm-hmm. and we, uh, my junior, I think it was my junior year, we had a principal and then seven vice principals. <laughs> That's incredible. And I'm not really sure what any of them did, right? Like, they didn't seem to have distinct roles. Yeah, I, I just remember, three, yeah. yeah, I just remember one of them. Um, breaking a he- heel chasing after kids who are trying to st- skip class which it feels like you could afford someone else to do that that isn't one of the vice principals <laughs> yeah but. paying a woman $110,000 chasing somebody down the hallway instead of I don't know two yeah. security guards yeah. she seemed nice enough she was also a former art teacher not usually a great sign when it comes to hiring principals going that famous kindergarten art teacher to, to vice principal jump that we all make um, this feels a lot like that to me though where it's just like why mm-hmm. you don't really need that many it seems like one would probably <laughs> be enough right I mean, it's been reported pretty widely. They just can't get anybody too. Like they yeah. just can't get like 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 cool. they're, they're trying to hire so many different athletic directors and all. Like they're almost like, mm, no thanks. Like, yeah, Gene Smith. Like immediately, he got the call and immediately took to Twitter. He's like, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even answer. He just <laughs> tweeted it out. No thanks. I, they interviewed a few different or tried to interview a few different like uh, athletic directors across the country. I think Swarbrick, who I mentioned, is is one of them that yeah. tried to interview, and he was like, No, no, yeah. we're good. Um, yeah, I mean, look, like this is the most critical time in your conference's history. Like, this is its, it's, it's the turning point. You're either going to survive yeah. or die. You right would think now. that the Pac-12 would have produced someone who could fit into this role, right? Well, like, they've all left. Bob Bowlesby was a Pac-12 yeah. athletic director, yeah. and he opted for the Big Twelve. Yeah, because uh, he cares about football, right? Because that's the thing that makes money. Sure. Um, yeah, you would like. I just, it feels like what they're doing here is they're trying to indirectly get Condoleezza Rice, right? Like they're trying to pressure like, her uh, into reading this and being like, "Well, I have to go save them." And like right? the funny part is, is like the big heavyweights in your conference are like making open. Been overtures like if you guys don't figure this out, we're gonna leave. Yeah, we're like, gonna USC leave, is like, bro. yeah, we're just gonna explore independent deals like really yeah. soon. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know, we should probably wait yeah. on this one. Yeah, uh, USC is like, are you guys? Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, we went and hired a guy from Ohio. You think we don't care about football? Yeah. Like, like, what do you think the game is here? Um, yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. Um, what they're doing. Both just, of the California schools did. They, they they went to Cincinnati and Ohio State, respectively, oh, true, with yeah, Jarman. Because yeah. Jarman, yeah. I mean, he was at Boston College, but he was, he was very loosely at Boston College. I think they said one of the candidates is the Washington State AD. Um, who, oh, Pat Chun. Yeah. yeah, who used to work at Ohio State as well. Yeah. Which, again, if you're going to, you could do a lot worse than a Big Ten or SEC guy to go. <laughs> they're they're uh, going to make a horrible foursome of uh, of uh, Chun, uh, Heather Like from Pitt, um, <laughs> Marty Jarman, or Martin Jarman, and Gene Smith. <laughs> Marty. Marty. Kundun, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my guy, Martin Jarman. Me <laughs> and him are. put that clip in there? I'm not going to, so quit asking. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's from. I can't put clips in if I don't know where it's it from. It's from The Sopranos. <laughs> Marty, coon dude, I liked it. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, um, uh, yeah, look, I mean, the Pac-12 sucks, right? We're in agreement on that. They're really bad. Yeah, it's bad. This is stupid. This is a stupid way to do it. Just hire a regular commissioner. Yeah, I mean, just pay somebody more. Yeah. You're already paying the lawyer who's got the biggest salary in, in college football. And stop having a goddamn office in San Francisco. You don't even just really need to have office. you don't even really need to have an office. Yeah, go rent like a hovel in like yeah, Rajola. Just get or an Airbnb for a couple days when yeah. you need to meet. Like that's it. You don't need a fucking you really permanent could be all office. virtual. Yeah. I mean you yeah. could have like 
it, you first of all, <clears throat> Oregon has incredibly cheap land. Just build it in yeah. Oregon, or yeah. just like like Nike. Can we borrow an office for like a couple just, months? Just rotate which school you hosted at. Yeah, like just bring you. Ha- these schools have a space. Just fucking right. rent. You know, just <laughs> okay. We're gonna use this you know facility for a day. Look. You have to go hire Elizabeth Holmes right now. <laughs> you have to go hire Elizabeth Warren right now. Yeah, go get Elizabeth Warren and Elizabeth Holmes, your co-commissioners, and now you're in the money. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah they call them the two Elizabeths. They're terrible. <laughs> Who else? Uh, what are some other candidates? Let's think of some other just famous Pac-12 people. Man, I think um, I've... Exc- I, John Elway, bring him home. You know who's a USC alum? Who's that? He's not doing anything crazy right now. O.J. Simpson? <laughs> Did I cut you off? Um, that wasn't where I was going, oh. but that is an option. Uh, USC alum, big sports fan, knows business out in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's time to hire Will Ferrell. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm okay, sold. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, you know who else is a big media guy out in the West Coast? Okay. UCLA has a school with his name on it. I don't know if he went there. Okay. It's time to hire Dr. Dre. Ooh, yeah. I think you do yeah, okay. uh, Pac-12 by Beats. We, get a, new we, have to see, we have to see if P. Diddy is interesting. <laughs> um, Pac-12 uh, Commissioner uh, 50 Cent. Pac-12 Commissioner Marshawn Lynch. That's the move. You don't get Marshawn yeah, no, Lynch. No, no, man. It's time to bring Mike Leach home. <laughs> I mean, really, could you just hire Phil Knight? Would he do it? Didn't he retire from the Nike board or whatever? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. He's bored. He he would, yeah, do, he yeah. would do it. Why not? I don't know if he'd be very good at it, but Who he cares? would do it. Yeah, yeah whatever. Money. <laughs> Money moves Bill Walton yeah Bill Walton would be great <laughs> Bill um, Walton would save the conference on X <laughs> uh, Reggie Miller's terrible at his current job yeah he could sure. be better at this yeah whatever yeah, yeah just just get all of the TNT guys Shaq is running the right. conference who cares <laughs> um, oh did you um, see this is going completely separate from what we're talking about yeah. but you just said TNT reminded me of this did you see the Charles Berkeley quote about Georgia this week no oh man he was doing a broadcast and they asked uh, it was a Lakers broadcast okay and they were like Chuck uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope you know who went to school that He's like, uh, played at Georgia, aren't he? Uh, it's the only school that named the mascot after how the women look down there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Good Lord, Chuck. Uh, he didn't get enough of being offending everybody with the San Antonio comments, so he needed to double dip for more. Um, what a beast. That's so uh, funny, too, because he went to a, a, a separate SEC school, so he would know that every woman down there looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They're all the same person. Yeah. War Eagle. Um... <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, um, I mean, we mostly are laughing about this because the Pac-12 is so incompetent, but it is uh, no, really bad. Yeah, nothing like, they can do here is going to fix this. This is fucking terrible. You have to hire a real commissioner, yeah. one of them, like now, yeah. or else your conference is doomed. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Like, the only way that they can get out of this is by getting an ass kicker, right? Like, mm-hmm. getting someone who plays the game. Gene Smith would have been a good option for yeah. that. Um, he's not interested. Clearly, I, yeah. If maybe you double the salary, I guess, but... Uh, I, he's also getting pretty close to, to retirement, I think. Wait, 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 wait. What I just we, thought of something. Okay. It's too powerful. Let's hear it. You know who has experience out in the West Coast, <laughs> intimately familiar with football mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. Okay. And the general West Coast region. Yeah. Big name. Okay. He's looking for an exit from another major conference right now. He needs a new job as soon as possible. Okay. It's time to hire Pac-12 Commissioner Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Let's go. Dude, he would be good at that. He actually would be good at it. <laughs> he would be good at that. He would do well. He's bad at coaching Michigan. Oh, man. Yeah, he would do well. Um, anyway, they're going to end up hiring Oliver Luck, and it's gonna, yeah, it's true. not going to work. But right. that would be, I mean, it's hire, not. They're going to hire Vince McMahon. Yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Vince. Okay. <laughs> I can probably keep doing this for another hour. Yeah, I think. yeah, um, for sure. Um, whatever they do here is not going to work. It's right. it's they're fucking doomed. Who cares? Yep, done. Yeah, done conference. Get it out of my face. Yeah, disgusting. I mean, we, we've seen enough to understand this is just not going to work. Yeah, you have to care about football if you want your conference to survive athletically. All of the money comes from football. Yeah, it's football. Yeah, you've got to care about football. It's, Even the G five conferences care about football more than anything else. Yeah, like they everybody else knows this except for you guys. Come on, <laughs> oh, <laughs> come geez. on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think we're just going to do a little bit to kind of wrap this up here. We're going to talk about the NFL draft a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so we are recording this on a Wednesday. I want to check the day of the week it was. Uh, we're recording yeah. this on a I thought it was Thursday. <laughs> I kind of thought it was for a second, too. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday evening. This is before the draft has started. Um, so either we're going to look uh, pretty dumb 
uh, we're pretty. I don't smart. think we can look dumb yet. I think once the first like couple seasons are over, then we can look dumb. Or okay, smart. okay, yeah, fair so enough. Then we can be held accountable. So, so what? What kind of our goal is here is we're gonna reel off some sleepers. We're kind of uh, either like we think they're gonna go higher on draft boards than they're currently projected at during this draft, or uh, maybe we're gonna look real idiots. They go undrafted or something like that. Yeah. But, um, so the goal here is kind of go through a few guys who come from smaller schools and non-traditional football powers or who may have played in a power conference but really didn't get nearly the level of attention they should have when they were in school. Um, we're each going to go with one guy on offense and one guy on defense. Yeah. Um, who would you like to go first, Patrick? Um, I can go first here. So I, I, I've, I was sort of, when you when you mentioned that we were going to do this, I first thought, like, I don't, I don't know. And then I realized that I wrote about G5 teams for the entire year, and it started mm-hmm. to all kind of flood into my head. So I, I had a couple for this, but I kept coming back to, and this is a really strong receiver class, so it's not a great time for, for him necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I keep coming back to Jonathan Adams, the wide receiver from Arkansas State. Huge guy. Um, yeah, he's he's massive. For whatever reason, they don't list his height and weight on his, on the uh, the Arkansas State bio, but I can get it for you in, in, in uh, just... I believe he's about 6'4", he's, 225. He's, he's massive, but um, yeah. he was... Great outside receiver. He was pretty much their only player last season <laughs> who could yeah. do anything in the passing game. Um, he was he was helped out somewhat by pretty good quarterback play. Lane Hatcher's quite a bit better than Logan Bonner, but... Um, this seems incorrect, but they have him listed as 6'3", 210, where I'm looking at. I think he's a bit larger than that. I think 6'3", 210 is... is about right. He mm-hmm. uh, he's listed as six two two ten on this Pro Football Network website, mm. which I don't think is correct. But um, either way, he's a big dude. He's a he's one of those very very long receivers, which I just like. That's just right. a fun kind of guy to watch. Um, he's like good Benjamin Victor, but um, I, I I think that very rude, <laughs> very rude. But he runs great routes. He has very very good hands. Um, consistently, he made these kind of catches like if you've seen an Arkansas State highlight in the last two years it was a it was a Jonathan Adams catch um and he would make these catches where it it just it didn't seem like the ball was even catchable like it was one of those plays where if there was play action they wouldn't have, or if there was a pass interference they wouldn't have called it um and he just stretches out his arms I think it almost might be that he's not as tall as he is just that his arms are long mm-hmm. right he has like a hundred <laughs> span or something like that um but he was just he was really, really fun to watch. 52 receptions, 737 yards, eight touchdowns in a season where they only played 10 games. Good Lord. Um, their entire offense was pretty much built around just throwing the ball up to him and Dahu Green, who's going to be awesome this year. Dahu Green is, is back and also will be their entire offense in 2021. Sure. But Arkansas State seems to produce these guys at a, at a very rapid rate, and I think Jonathan Adams is probably the best of the bunch that I've seen so far. He's He's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, uh, do we have his college stats pulled up? You want to go through those a little bit, real quick? Um, yeah, let me see if I can get full full career stats. Go ahead and and riff for me while I while I look for yeah, this. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, he he's one of those like we, we've seen a few of these players come out of the smaller schools lately. Uh, the guy I think of is Preston Williams out of Colorado State. Mm, yeah. Um, who was the high draft pick out of Worcester, Michigan, a couple years oh, ago? Oh, Corey Davis. Corey right. Davis, right? I said uh, Corey Dennis. It was Corey not Dennis. Corey Dennis. Uh, Corey Davis <laughs> and Preston Williams both haven't really completely broken through yet in the NFL, although Corey Davis had a very good season. Yeah. Um, but they were guys who were really talented players who kind of showed a lot physically, and I mean, that kind of put them on draft boards for a certain reason, and Adams fits that profile. Yeah, right? I, will, where, I will also say here, those stats were incorrect. Arkansas State's were wrong. The actual ones, 79 receptions, 1,111 yards, 12 touchdowns in 10 games. Good Lord. <laughs> that is so dominant. <laughs> 14.1 yards per catch as like a really big receiver which which means that he's not just going down the field right like he's right. he's That's, catching yeah, yeah he's yeah. catching everything um and, and so his total career stats here he was he was basically a two-year starter he contributed a little bit as a sophomore um 166 receptions 2306 yards 21 touchdowns good lord yeah in in two seasons as a starter he's very very good I, I really enjoyed watching him play, and he's he's like freakishly quick for how big he is. Yeah, he, he really. We've I think we've talked before about guys that just kind of look different when they move on the field, and, and he is he is distinctly one of those guys where it looks like he's just floating rather than anything else. Right. Um. And he's way too strong for someone that that is that lanky. Like he should not be that strong. So. Sticking to the receiver position, the guy I want to talk about for mine here is uh, Dwayne Eskridge of Western Michigan. Um, Dwayne is a guy who, uh, one of the top 
couple receivers. In the, there are like three guys towards the top 10 receivers in the draft, which would be Elijah Moore, uh, Rondell Moore, and uh, Kadarius Toney, yeah. who, are, who are projected as slot-type receivers, quicker guys on the inside. Um, they're all really talented players. I'm not a Kadarius Toney guy at all. Yeah. Um, I like the other two very much. Um, that having been said, uh, if you want to go bargain bin hunting for a guy with that kind of skill set and that kind of athletic profile who you don't have to spend a second or third round pick on and get maybe in the fifth, sixth round here, um, Eskridge might be your guy. Yeah. Um, very productive player at Western Michigan. He was a three-year starter. Um, throughout his career, so first of all, he's about 5'9", 190, so he's not a thin guy. You know, he's a pretty well-built dude for his frame. Um, he had, uh, for his career, 121 catches for 2,244 yards, which is an average of 18.5 yards per reception, um, which is damn good. I, I mean, he's averaging over 17 yards a touch in his college career, 15 touchdowns, despite the fact that he missed part of 2019 with an injury and 2020 was shortened because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So he really only had two full years to start, about two and a half years total. Um, big-time player, big-time athlete, too. When you look at his pro day measurements, uh, he had a 4.38 40-yard dash, um, he had a over a, a ten and a half foot broad jump, a four two two in the shuttle, and a six nine three on the three cone. Yeah, those are all in the top quartile uh, of all the receivers and prospects in the draft tested. Um, he's a plus athlete for sure. Yeah, and it's not a guy you're going to have to spend like I said a first round pick on. You can get him late in this draft, and it's very rare to find one of those guys who falls late to the draft, late in the draft from the G five ranks that is both very well developed as a player and a freak athlete right right? like a lot of those guys the g5 and and generally that fall uh, that have the kind of production and development aren't very good athletes right Mm -hmm. like a guy that i'm going to talk about isn't a great test score guy um but i I think that to have this kind of combination that's usually the kind of guy that gets scooped up in the first or second round that has the production has the develop you know the developed size question yeah. yeah yeah um but like I would sooner take him over like Tony, you know, like, like you said, like, I don't love Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even really love Rondell Moore all that much. I think it, you know, the injuries are, a question the, the more injuries sure, are, are troubling with a guy like but that. But his build and athleticism are incredible. I, I have to give him that. He's, Rondell so, Moore's first, he's so funny to look at. He's, yeah, he's very freakish. Uh, <laughs> he's what, like five, seven, five, seven, two, five, seven, two fifty. I think he gave him like five, eight and a half on the pro day measurement. Um, and, but I mean, he's a strong dude. He's the one that squatted like 500, right? Mm-hmm. He's, More than that, I think. Yeah, he squatted yeah, an obscene number. Freak. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the guy that Dwayne Eskridge reminds me of is a guy I also really loved in last year's draft, who hasn't broken through yet, uh, but I think will maybe or has a chance to. That's uh, James Prochet out of SMU, yes, who ended up yes. with the Ravens. Yeah. We love any and all SMU receivers. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, they had what, Reggie Robertson with the other yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah Reggie Robertson. Small, who I don't, I don't know yeah. if he's back this year. He tore his ACL last season. Um, mm, I don't know off the top of my head if he is. SMU is looking good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and like Prochet, Eskridge is a return threat too. I mean, he had 17 returns with an average over 27 and a half yards per return this yeah. year. Which is he had returned a kick for a touchdown. He's an explosive athlete who can find a slot as a specialist. And from there, you just got to bank on him to work his way into the lineup, which I like. Yeah, Mac was secretly kind of strong on receivers last season. I think that yeah. Eskridge was the best of the bunch. And I like a guy who can get himself a role immediately as a returner and kind of keep himself on the roster. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're playing just darts at that point where you're banking your guy gets the fifth receiver job and doesn't get cut. Yeah. It's a hard game to play, but I mean, I like Eskridge. Yeah, contributing on, on special teams as a receiver is, is certainly valuable as yes. either as a returner or as a gunner. Somebody who, who stands out to me as being... You know, kind of fitting that mold. Not, I don't think he's as good of an athlete. He's a little bit bigger of a guy. But Terry McLaurin has been mm-hmm. lighting it up in the NFL, sure. and he was always a star on special teams. He was, he was awesome at that kind of it's stuff. It's an effort and thing too. Coaches love that it's shit. It's an effort yeah. thing, and for a receiver as a gunner, I was, I was actually just reading about this because of the, uh, I don't remember his name. You might know this. You're more of an NFL guy than me. The, uh, the Patriots gunner. Um, who's been there forever? Uh, Edelman, the one who's retired? No, no. Welker? Um, no, he's he's not. He, he's playing a white receiver. No, it's a black receiver. <laughs> it's a uh, he's like a slot guy. He's only played. He's only had one catch as a receiver. He's just a gunner, but he's been an All Pro like every single year of his career. Uh, I couldn't. Tell um, you. I can't remember the guy's name. Slater, I think. Ah, uh, okay, um, okay. But that's a classic. 
Belichick move. Yeah, too. yeah. it's a good move. Yeah, <laughs> it's a smart way to do sure. it. Yeah, like if you have a really good gunner, that's valuable. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean friend of the show, Bill Landis, today pointed out on Twitter that uh, James Williams' best play at Ohio State was probably as a gunner on the yeah. punt return against Alabama. Yeah, yeah. it should. It's something you should value is both you know really good gunners and good special teams coordinators, um, which mm-hmm. <laughs> we're looking don't, into. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know, there's value in that. I don't know if he would do that role specifically, but I think yeah. he could fit that role. Terry McLaurin was very good at that at Ohio sure. State, and those skills for receivers, specifically as a gunner, they translate. You know, it's it's release off the line. It's it's you know, hand fighting at the line with mm-hmm. with the uh, you know the, the blockers like. If you're, spatial awareness. Yeah, spatial critical, awareness. Yeah. If you're on the, the side with two defend with two blockers, you have to find a way to get through those guys, and that helps, you know, for, for when you're a receiver. So I, I think that uh I, I like the Eskridge pick a lot. I, I think that he's going to be someone who can contribute right away in whatever role it, it, it might be. Um my defensive pick is a guy who I, I referenced earlier, doesn't really have the He's not a workout warrior, right? He's not a guy Mm -hmm. who you look at his numbers and you're like, oh, shit. Um, But he is a guy who you look at his production and you watch him play and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Um, Tavante Beckett from Marshall. Sure. Um, He was kind of a a linebacker, safety, whatever you want to call it. Um, I compared him when I wrote about him to uh, Tyron Matthew, which is a very easy comparison to make for a short guy who plays linebacker. Right. Um, 5'10", 2'14", (laughs) which is just... Love that. <laughs> Which is just the most delightful Felt version. like a UFC fighter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I want someone who's playing, who's, you know, they're playing football, but they're essentially doing jujitsu, right? Like That's he, right. he does the thing where when he tackles a bigger player, he wraps his whole body around him, um, which is just <laughs> wonderful and knocks the ball out like the 50 spider per- monkey tackle. Yeah, and, yeah. and he, it forces a fumble like half the time when he does it. <laughs> just, he gets all of his limbs up in there. Um, but Tavante Beckett last season, um, in nine games played. Have you seen these before? Is this going to be new to you, these stats? Uh, I think these stats... I'm familiar with the player. I watched him play at Marshall, but uh, I would like to hear the stats. Nine games played, 90 tackles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 7.5 for a loss, two and My a half sacks. One pass breakup, four fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles. I, I I know logically in my head that fumble recoveries and forced fumbles are mostly a random statistic, but man, if I don't love a guy who has a nose for the ball. Yeah, when it's a, when it's someone like that, it's less random, I think. I think yeah. it's just that he's there every single play. In his career, he played 22 games at Marshall, 211 tackles, 14 and a half tackles. Jesus. <laughs> Six uh, fumble recoveries in 22 games. That's just great. yeah, um, he rocks. He's he's not especially fast. I don't think he's particularly strong. He's just fucking there. He's a football player. Yeah, he's just there every single time the ball is snapped. He's, he's just a rich there. man's tough Borland. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's like if tough Borland was who people online think he is, like right. on the on the message boards where he's just there. Like no, he's not. But they are but, who we thought they were. Yeah, but Tavante yeah. Beckett is just always there. Like you cannot mm-hmm. watch if you go and watch a Marshall game from last season. And you just watch their defense. Number four is in there on every single play, even if he doesn't get a tackle. Um, he is just for reference, former three-star guy. He was at Virginia Tech. He was kicked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like he it was like drug possession or something. So something. Well, cool. What can you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something cool. Um, was kicked out and and you know moved on to Marshall, which is how most people at Marshall got to Marshall. Yeah. Uh, when they got kicked out of a different. School. Really, in the whole that's how most people in the whole state of West Virginia end up going there, as they you know just. Their family were bootleggers, and they just ended up staying a little too long by yeah, accident. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah. Um, he was so, so good last season. He was pretty much – he changed the way that they could play defense because he kind of provided a swing player that could do a little bit of everything. So yeah. it, it allowed their linebackers to focus more on the pass because – they knew that he could cover sideline to sideline very comfortably. Um, I love this guy. I don't know if he's going to do well in the NFL because he's very small. Right. Um, I don't know if he's. I don't expect he'll get drafted. But I think if someone grabs him, he will do something for them. Whatever it is that they ask him to do, he will end up doing it. Like it feels to me like. Do you remember when Teron Matthew fell down boards and you're like, "What the fuck is happening here? This guy yeah. is unstoppable." Right. Um, and as it turns out, yeah, he's still good in the NFL. Still pretty good. Yeah, not, I mean, not the way he was in college, of course. No, but, he's still but a very like, productive yeah, he's player. he's been in the league for like a long time and he's yeah. still contributing on Super Bowl teams yeah. and like um, he is just it's one of those guys I, I I wouldn't be very good as an NFL GM because I would just draft guys who like when I watch them you know in college I'm like well that's a good football player mm-hmm. I feel like that would be valuable 
valuable, you know, to have a good football player. There are worse ideas you can do. Yeah. yeah like, I don't know if there's a, that's kind of the Bill Belichick model is like, you're, I just want to get good football players. You're the anti-Al Davis. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I don't really care that the, you know, 40 time is 0.2 seconds Although slower. we are hearing rumors that you were looking to uh, get a contract with Mark Davis as barber. You get the same cut as Mark Davis. Is that true, Patrick? <laughs> we're looking into it. That was supposed to be a surprise, but um, yeah, we're, we're certainly looking into yeah, I have that. strong sources. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just one of those guys where it's like, yeah, this dude's just really good. He's just, right. you know, he's going to get tackles. He's going to be around the football. He feels like, honestly, you're you're wearing a Steelers shirt right now um, to taunt me. Excuse me. He, uh, he feel- I'm wearing a Pittsburghy shirt. Okay. It's not explicitly a Steelers it's a, shirt. It says Steelers on it. Come on. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's one of the Steelers right. words. All right. Know? You're wearing Babushka, a Pittsburgh yeah. shirt. Yeah. Jagerbush. Jagoff, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you're, we- you're wearing a Pittsburgh shirt, which just makes me think, I can see this guy playing safety for the, sa- for the Steelers for a decade and a half and just fucking terrorizing me. Well, you made the mistake of thinking the Steelers would ever draft a defensive back. Obviously yeah. a foolish or, yeah. proposition. Yeah, or like a player who was good in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> Listen, until you get the Mason Rudolph stink off of you, I'm allowed to do this. We'll see how it goes this fall, Pat. Steelers uh, Steelers head coach uh, Mike Gundy. Bring him home. Okay. All right. All right. I think you've had your fun here. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's like the first quarter and I'm just running it up. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Coastal Carolina defensive lineman Teron Jackson. Yes, sir. This is the player we both love. Yes. Um, he's... The, my only concern with Ron Jackson, I'll get I'll get to why it's a concern in a second here, is just that he might be a bit of a tweener in the NFL, right? Yeah. He's a little stocky at 6'2", 260. He's not as long as your prototypical NFL defensive end, and he's not quite as thick as your prototypical, prototypical NFL defensive tackle. But this is a guy who knows to get through the line. Yeah, this is another one of those guys who when you turn him on and, and you, you, you watch the tape, you're just like, oh, this is just a really fucking good football player. Of course, yeah. <laughs> this guy I, I just mean, balls. He's a three-year starter, four-year contributor, uh, over his four years, he played in 41 games, ended up with 42 tackles for a loss and 24 and a half sacks. Uh, he had three passes defended, two fumble recoveries, six forced fumbles. Um, I think he counted for it's 188 total tackles. Yeah. Just lived in the backfield his entire career. It's all yeah. he did. As a defensive end. Like right. that's, that's very good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, especially over his final two seasons, he had 18 sacks and he had 26 and a half tackles for a loss in his final two years. Yeah. That's incredibly good. Um, that's the kind of production you don't see from many players. And I mean, this is a guy that I, I think you want to put him in a four, three, you'd like to use him as kind of a pass rush specialist on third downs for the most part. Um, but again, this is a guy you can put weight on too. Like it's not like Coastal Carolina has a state of the art lifting program. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like who knows if you get this guy in NFL strength and conditioning where he's lifting year round, what he gonna end up looking like. Yeah, I think you could very easily make the case that you move him up to two eighty, push him inside as a as mm-hmm. a rushing defensive tackle, or you cut him down to two fifty, put right. him in a three four yeah. as an as an edge rusher. I think he's capable of either of those things. Yeah. Um, um, he was such a huge part of their defense last year. And yeah. this was a team that again went undefeated in the regular season. It was a tremendously successful team. Uh, and Toronto's a huge part of that. I mean, everyone yeah. talks about CJ Maribel and Grayson McCall for good reason. He's just as good a football player as those guys are. He, he is. And a lot of people also talk about the linebackers on the Coastal team, which they were really good, right? Like right. They, they had the, the, there was the, uh, the mullet gang and you got all the guys with the blonde mullets running around and making plays in the backfield. The reason that they were able to get into the backfield is because of Jerron Jackson, right? right? Like up right. front, he's making lanes for those linebackers. That's, that doesn't show up. Like it's a, it's a cliche. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but that's valuable. That's important, oh, right? Like to have somebody who can just move guys up front as a defensive end is is super super valuable. I, I uh, yeah I like this pick a lot. Yeah, I, I wish we had the full combine this year so I could have seen uh, his uh, his wingspan and things like that because this is a guy with pretty long arms too, yeah. which I like. Even though he's not quite the tallest guy in the world, he does have pretty good levers there. Yeah, um, good shuttle time, good three cone, uh, good bench, especially with those arms. Twenty five reps in the bench press. Uh, he's a powerful guy. Um, this is a dude that just, I mean, you're going to see him go to someone's defense and become an instant impact player late in the draft who's yeah. just going to, he can just play, man. Like, you just, like, we can't have enough players on any roster who are capable of getting to the quarterback. Like, yeah. after, after one of the most important things in the NFL is playing the quarterback. The second thing is getting to the quarterback. Yeah. And the third is protecting the quarterback. So if you're one of those three categories, uh, you're a high-value player. And Toronto's a skill set that I think a lot of teams are going to search for. 
He's projected right now, I think, as a fifth or sixth round pick. I would be su- not be that surprised if someone reached and took him on day two in the late third round. Yeah, yeah, especially I think there's going to be a run on defensive ends pretty early on. And defensive um, linemen. Defensive linemen, yeah. yeah. This feels to me, I was just talking about how there's not really an NFL team that does this. I suppose there kind of is. Um, this feels like a Vikings pick, right? This feels like mm, the kind okay. of guy where it's like four years from now, you're like, how the fuck did this guy go in the fourth round of the Vikings? How did the Vikings <laughs> know about this guy? Yeah. And it's like, well, they watched him. <laughs> I mean, you're going to hate this. You know, who else it feels like a perfect pick for who's that it's the Pittsburgh Steelers Patrick. oh come on the Ravens are better at that than the Steelers oh that's silly I mean you look at like the history of the Steelers and I find edge rushers and stuff like that I mean there's there's very few teams ever who are better and, and I would say <laughs> I mean the Ravens also don't have Ozzie Gein anymore which matters yeah this man is in his feelings that's right uh <laughs> I think with the loss of Bud Dupree, can make a lot of sense in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. take him late. So what I'm hearing is that Kevin Stefanski is going to make the move. <laughs> yeah, I believe it when I see it. I'm sure you guys are going to draft some other Georgia running back mm-hmm. at I, some point. I, I think that the Steelers should consider winning a first-round playoff game here at some point. <laughs> okay. You guys try to win the Super Bowl ever. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for checking out this this very bitchy flipping the field in the college football podcast. Sort of sassy yeah. episode, yeah. Yeah, the college football podcast about all of college football. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and tell your no, friends. For real. Can you guys do that? Yeah, please, guys, please do that. Come on. Um Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, I am on Twitter at B1G underscore Ryan, and you can also find me on uh your your favorite team's message boards making fun of them. Mm-hmm. I thought you were gonna say Gab. I don't know why I thought you were gonna say Gab. Wow. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm mostly on Parlor. I'm mostly on Parlor and 8chan these days. Um, if you actually look at my online activities, you can watch that recent HBO QAnon documentary. I was heavily featured in that. Um, <laughs> Ryan was recently discovered for being at the Capitol on yeah. uh, you know on January 6th. I, I have and... a pretty large compound in the Philippines where I run mm-hmm. several online schemes. Yeah. Uh, feel free to call me about that if you're interested. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. I'm not on Gab. Um, my, uh, unlike my, my cohort here, mm-hmm. uh, my writing cohort. is at the Outside Zone News newsletter on Substack available three times a week for just five dollars a month i also write for buckeye sports bulletin where i am one of two associate editors it's a newspaper in columbus you can read it um brian do we have anything else well you also just got that producer job for tucker carlson right <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll talk to you next week <laughs>